Hello, and welcome back to the PA is in the only podcast for PAs by PAs, where codependency with your supervising physician is a thing of the past. Optimal team practice is the future and physician associate has taken the place of physician assistant as the professional title of choice. We are redesigning, we are redefining what success as a physician associate looks like and what it feels like. Here, you'll find the tangible, practical things that I use to escape healthcare burnout, the exact mindset shifts, money habits, systems, and processes I use to become a unicorn PA. I now have a job that I love, abundant energy, time to spare, and work-optional financial freedom. I'm sharing everything that has helped me to navigate over a decade of PA life with you so that you can live long and prosper. This PA is in. I am so excited. Before we get started... I have two quick announcements for you. Number one, I have been working really hard behind the scenes. If you are not watching this on YouTube, you are missing out on this beautiful wall, which has all of these post-it notes on it, which is me mapping out ways that I'm going to serve you guys in this coming year. I am so freaking excited about all of the different ways that I'm going to be showing up and teaching PA specific content about the specific challenges that you are facing in your career, whether that's being accepted clinically, whether that's challenges with getting CME done, and particularly when it comes to time, money, and energy. In this first quarter of the year, I'm focusing a lot on money, specifically making sure that you know how to make more money. So I've put together a masterclass. It's four secrets that top PA income earners know that you don't. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go live with you and I'm going to unpack four things that people who are at the really top end of that AAPA salary report, who are at the really top end of their field, know that you don't know. And what's holding you back from being one of those high income earning PAs? If that sounds like something that you are interested in learning about, head to tracybingaman.com slash masterclass go ahead and get registered. There are not one, not two, but four different times to choose from because I know that you are busy and you have work and you have other things in your life that are priorities, but I want to make sure that there is a time that works for you. And I will be going live on all four of those masterclasses. So head to tracybingaman.com slash masterclass. You can learn more about what I will be teaching. Choose a time that works for you and get signed up. The second thing is when I say in the introduction, I'm going to talk about systems and processes that have worked for me. Today, we're going to unpack something that I call the PA pay one sheet. So if you're going to walk into a negotiation with just one sheet of paper, this is the piece of paper that you want to walk in with. So it's the PA pay one sheet. It is a step-by-step guide, what you need to know before you sit down for a negotiation, what questions to ask, what tools to use as a part of the negotiation. I'm going to walk you through this sheet today. So if you're watching on YouTube and you see me looking down, it is me actually referencing this PDF. You can download this PDF tracybingaman.com slash one O-N-E, tracybingaman.com slash one O-N-E, and it will send you an email. You'll enter your name and email address. It'll send you an email with a downloadable PDF of this one sheet. You can use this over and over and over again. You can use this in work negotiations. You can adapt this to patient visits. So you're making sure that your patients get the best out of your visit. You can use it when you and your spouse are trying to decide where to go on vacation next. Negotiating is everywhere. And I want to help you to have the very best 
tools to be able to negotiate effectively. So this is a long and drawn out introduction because I'm so flipping excited about all the things that we're going to be teaching. Specifically today, we're diving into this PA1 sheet. So if you, like me, are a visual learner and you want to see it and you want to print it out and you want to have it in your hands, tracyvingerman.com slash O-N-E, that spells one, in case you don't know how spelling works, um, print out the one sheet. So we're going to walk through step by step. So the one sheet starts with the goal. So the first thing you want to identify when you're walking into a negotiation is what do you want? Identify the specific outcome that is the very best case at the end of the negotiation for you. And we have a tendency to sort of cheapen this or to downgrade the very best case because we think that we're not going to get it. I want you to resist the urge to back off on what you think you deserve and push for more. Make this an optimistic but reasonable goal and define it clearly. So more money is not specific enough. I want to make X as a base salary, Y as a productivity bonus, Z as a retention bonus, you know, W as a hiring bonus, whatever it is that you're negotiating for, be very specific with the numbers of hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, thousands of thousands of dollars that you're asking for. This section should be specific, it should be detailed, and it should be clear. If I come along beside you and you have filled out the top section of this form, the goal box, where there's actually a box where you write in your goal, I should be able to look out over your shoulder and clearly understand, provided I can read your handwriting, what you're asking for. So this is the best case scenario. Once you fill this out, if you feel compelled, create some commitment to the outcome and some accountability. Tell one of your trusted coworkers, tell your spouse, tell your best friend, DM me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman and tell me what you're asking for. And if you don't want to tell me your salary, that's fine, but tell me you're asking for $12,000 more at a negotiation that you have scheduled for next week. Be specific, and I'm going to help to hold you accountable to that goal. So I want you to actually bring this piece of paper with your written goal to your next negotiation so that you have it in your hands. There is something concrete. There is something that happens with the neural pathways in our brain when we write down the highest anchor. I do not want this to be a range. Like I'd like to get a raise of five to $15,000 this year. No, I want it to be the specific number that you want to be earning income wise. The specific number that you want to get in the form of a raise. That's what goes in the goal category. I don't want this to be singularly about money. So there are so many ways that you can negotiate for a better quality of life. So I like to call those things lifestyle modifications because it fits with our medical terminology. So instead of more money, you could ask for more administrative time, less patients per day in your template, longer patient visits, more administrative or clinical or clerical support, wherever it is in your practice that you're not being well supported so that you can be the one taking care of patients. If you're making phone calls that your nursing staff could be making, if you're doing scheduling that you could have a scheduler doing, what tasks are not mandatory that someone with your skill and knowledge and education level and abilities are doing, how can you offload those to someone else? Or how can you create a team that works around you to help improve your patient experience so that you can do what you were trained to do and that they can do what they were trained to you? So first section of this one sheet is the goal. 
write it down, make it clear, make it optimistic, not ridiculous. Like, I mean, if you're saying like, I'm going to double my salary, like write it down, but make it reasonable, but also optimistic what you put in this goal section. The second section on this PA one sheet is the summary. So I want you to take a minute. I want you to think about all of the things that are happening in your group, in your network, in your hospital, in your practice, and boil it down to three to five sentences about whatever facts that you know, and you're not going to ever have all of the facts, but based on what you know about the situation, what are three to five sentences about the facts that you do know about the situation that led up to this negotiation? Use this situation summary to produce a that's right from your counterpart. So when I say counterpart, I mean whoever you're negotiating with whether that's your practice manager, an administrator, your collaborating physician, your supervising um, PA, whoever is in charge of you, whoever you sit down with when you need to make changes in your clinical practice, when you need to make changes in your schedule, when you need to make changes in your salary, whoever you sit down with, that's your counterpart, the person who is sitting across the counter or across the table from you as a part of this negotiation. So the summary you're going to set the stage for what's going on. And this is how you're going to open this negotiation when you sit down. So you're going to sit down. I'm going to be myself and I'll pretend that the person across the table's name is Jeffrey. <laughs> I should have thought of something beforehand. Jeffrey. So my supervisor or my manager or my administrative partner, his name is Jeffrey. So I've requested a meeting. I've said, hey, Jeffrey, there's some things I want to talk to you about. How does next Tuesday at noon work? Thumbs up. We got it on the schedule. My clinic is blocked so that I have time to show up on time for this meeting. That's important. And to be fully focused on this, not answering tiger text or pages, because this is an important conversation. So I sit down with Jeffrey and then I'm going to say, here is the situation. I'm going to say these three to five sentences, which I do want you to rehearse and practice and make sound not super polished like you're performing, but rather like you know what you're doing. So um, let's, let me think of a scenario. Hey, Jeffrey, as you know, our group used to have 12 PAs in it. Two are out on maternity leave, three quit, which brings us down to, goodness, seven. So we have seven people doing the job that was previously performed by 12 people, but the workload hasn't decreased. And then you're going to pause and let them respond in agreement with you. So that's where you're looking for. That's right. You know, for them to say, quote unquote, that's right. Because you're stating facts. You're not getting emotional. You're not really winding up. You're not saying this is ridiculous. It's crazy. You're stating the facts. We used to have 12 providers. Now we have seven. And you're summarizing that. And you can say, and that has increased the charting burden, that's increased the administrative burden, that's increased the amount of call, the number of patients we're seeing, the amount of weekends we're working, whatever it is that set the stage. So that summary is sort of setting the stage. That's the reason that you're having the visit. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that people have left. Like you can say, I've been here 10 years and I haven't had a performance review. So I wanted to sit down with you and talk to you about your thoughts about my performance, whatever it is. So you start with the goal. That's just for you. You don't lead with the goal, but you lead with the summary. So that summary is three to five sentences based in fact, not based in emotion about the situation that has brought you to the point where you feel like, Hey, it's time I need to negotiate. And then the next section. So goal, 
check. We know what the goal is. Summary, we have three to five sentences that we have said at the outset of this negotiation that we'll get our counterpart to agree to because we're using facts and not emotions. And then the assessment. So you're going to follow that summary you state. They say that's right. They give it, they have an opportunity to respond. And then you're going to start at the assessment, which is just like when you're assessing the patient, the most powerful words as a part of this assessment are, it seems like. Three words, very short. It seems like. So there are a couple fill in the blanks here on the one sheet, and you can adapt this to pretty much any scenario. And this is you giving your assessment of the situation. It seems like blank is valuable to you. It seems like you don't like blank. It seems like you value blank. It seems like blank makes it easier. It seems like you're reluctant to blank. So you are saying, because you're going to set this summary and they're going to agree with you, but then they're also probably going to reply with some qualifications, right? So you're going to say, we used to have 12 PAs covering this service. Now we have seven, which has led to X, Y, and Z. And they're going to say, that's right. But as you know, the hospital budget cuts, as you know, we're working on hiring, as you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you're going to say, it seems like and then share your assessment. You can do this on the fly, but you can also kind of extrapolate what you're gonna assume that they're saying, because they said it before in staff meetings, because they've said it before to other people, because you just know them and know the situation. So you can prepare some notes or thoughts on those, it seems like statements that you're gonna say in the assessment before you sit down. So now, you're, you're sort of, it seems like they're going to respond. You can do a couple of things. Like, it seems like you really value the patient experience. And then they're going to say, yes, of course, that's so important to us. We have Prescani scores. We have this, we have that. And then you're going to say, it seems like you're reluctant to pay your existing providers more, decrease their amount of patients per day. You know, you're going to say something that would improve the patient experience. So you kind of led with, it seems like you value patient experience. And they're going to say, yes, of course we do. And then you're going to say, it seems like you're reluctant to pay us more or to decrease our patient visits, which would improve patient experience. And then they're going to say, well, you know, we've got to pay the bills and keep the lights on and do the thing. And we've got to meet the numbers and we've got to blah, blah, blah. And so then those, it seems like you can use those to kind of continue to gain information about where they're at and what pressure they're under, what metrics they're meeting, what answer, you know, who they have to answer to, because that person has a manager, right? That person is someone they're answering to as well. And then you're going to move on from the assessment to asking questions. So um, this section is called values risk factors, and deal killers. So in this section of the negotiation, I want you to specifically ask several calibrated questions. So calibrated questions are ones that you come up with in the moment or in advance that are open-ended and fact-finding. So think about when you're interviewing a patient and you're taking a history, you're not going to only ask them like closed-ended questions, like does it hurt here, yes or no? You're going to ask them you know, how is this affecting your quality of life? Or what can't you do because of this injury? And then you're going to let them elaborate. Same is true for calibrated questions. So there's three different sections of questions here. And if you're kind of getting lost in the weeds, again, 
go download the guide, tracybingerman.com slash O-N-E. Download your guide. You can follow along, kind of pause, check in, make notes on the sheet as we're going through this. So questions for your counterparts, the person sitting across the counter or across the table from you. You can ask, how does this affect things in the group? Nothing happens in a vacuum, right? How does this fit into what the objective is? So if they're really into a certain outcome or a certain metric, or they're trying to accomplish some sort of a project, you can ask, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like as a group or as a you know department, what are we trying to accomplish here? You can ask, how is that worthwhile? And if you really want to get to the heart of things, you can say, what's the core issue here? Because they might come forward and say, it's the budget, there's a hiring freeze, there's this, there's that. And they're going to tell you what you're up against when you ask, what's the core issue here as a part of this conversation? And there's a section of calibrated questions you can use to identify behind the table deal killers. So these are like the zebras. These are the things that you can't necessarily see right away. They might be difficult to sort of flesh out. You could say, how does this affect the rest of your team? whether that's the team of managers or the team of PAs or providers. You can say, how on board are the people not on this call or not in this room? Because that person has to answer to someone as well. And you could say, what do your colleagues see as their main challenges in this area? So you're asking them to present their side and tell you what's going on in their world because they live in a different world than you do. They're maybe not seeing patients in the same way as you are. And then here are a few questions to identify and diffuse deal-killing issues. You can say, what are we up against here? Because they may be starting to refuse what you haven't even yet asked for. So what are we up against here? They're going to have to show part of their hand to answer that question. What is the biggest challenge you face? How does making a deal with us affect things? Or you could say, how does making a deal with me or how does, you know, working on my compensation um, affect things? What happens if you do nothing? Which is essentially you asking your manager, like, what happens if you don't give me a raise? What happens if you don't kind of come through with what I'm asking for? And then this is kind of similar. What does doing nothing cost you? And how does making this deal resonate with you with what your company prides itself on? So if our department is all about patient experience and, you know, I'm telling you that I'm seeing too many patients a day and I can't, you know, provide a good patient experience with the support that I have right now, you know, is that in alignment with the values of the department or the organization or the company? So prep in advance a couple calibrated questions tailored to the situation These are examples. It's not exhaustive. You can come up with other ones, but what you're trying to do here is gather information. So you haven't even really asked for the ask yet. You are sort of, you made this like preliminary assessment, almost like if you're seeing someone in the ER, you preliminarily assess them. Maybe it's in triage. Maybe it's the first time they get in the room. You're assessing them. And then you're running tests or you're asking questions or you're examining them. You're finding some more information before you're going to make a follow-up assessment. So the next section on your PA pay one sheet is this follow-up assessment. So just like you did before with these labels that started with, it seems like 
when you did your initial assessment, this is your follow-up assessment. So based on the answers to the calibrated questions where you're uncovering the values, the deal killers, what's really important to the person sitting across from the table from you, this follow-up assessment, you're going to really kind of bring it on home. It seems like blank is important. It seems like you feel I'm in a unique position to blank. It seems like you're worried that blank because they're going to have shown some of their hand. They're going to explain to you some of the situation, maybe some behind the scenes things that you're not exactly sure of or you didn't know of in advance. So you're going to get sort of all the way to the follow-up assessment before you're going to bring in your ask. So you're going to have done the goal, which has been off the table you haven't mentioned so far. You summarized the situation to begin with. You got them to agree with that. You got them to respond to that. You did your preliminary assessment. You asked your calibrated questions to get some more information. And then you did your follow-up assessment. And then you're going to make a plan. And in making a plan, you're going to ask for what you need, whether that's a raise, a retention bonus, a productivity bonus, some sort of increase in support staff, a decrease in your schedule, a change in your administrative load, whatever it is that you put in that goal section at the beginning is what you're going to come up with in the plan. And if you can get the person sitting across the table from you to co-create the plan with you, then they're going to be more invested in the outcome. So instead of saying, here's what we got to do, come up with a way that you can ask them. You know, they've presented to you the problems that they're having. You've presented the situation. And now you're going to say, how can we solve this problem? My problem, your problems, together with a plan that's going to benefit all of the people involved in this discussion. And the other thing which I alluded to a little bit earlier is there's a section called non-cash offers or lifestyle modifications. So what would you be willing to accept other than money? List the non-cash items. So the things that would improve your quality of life, improve patient care, improve your workflow, improve your day, your schedule, whatever it is that would be valuable to you. What if they offered to start your clinic 45 minutes later so that you could get your kids on the bus or that you could every other Friday do administrative tasks from home catch up on all the paperwork, all the phone calls, all the charting, all the things, and have a little bit of a three-day weekend? What would be valuable to you during your current season of life? Because if they say, sorry, not in the budget to give you that $20,000 raise that you really want, what non-monetary outcomes, whether it's better hours, more vacation, more CME time, an improvement in your quality of life exists that you would love to have? What is the thing that when someone tells you that this is offered at your at their job that you're like, oh, I want that, right? If only I could do that. If only I could work from home in that capacity. If only I had that flexibility. If only I had that schedule. If only my workplace supported me in that way. Those are the kind of things that you put on this list that you have in your back pocket ready to pull out if they say the budget is a challenge. So what can your employer give you that would make you keep doing what you've been doing for free or for no increase in the pay that you're already getting? So this one sheet 
gives you specific tools to use in negotiating. It gives you these labels, which are the it seems like statements and that your counterpart can respond to them to give you more information. It helps you to identify who's really pulling the strings, who behind the scenes can make this decision, who do they need to talk to, who do you need to talk to, what needs to happen in order to create changes in your situation. And it helps you to really kind of get down to what they're dealing with so that you can find a solution that meets their needs and helps to meet those metrics, but also solves the problem that you're having, whether that's I'm not making enough money or my schedule is terrible or I'm working too much for the amount that I'm getting paid. All of those things can be solved by using the one sheet. So head to tracybingaman.com slash O-N-E, download your one sheet, reference this video. So when I send you the email with the one sheet attached to it, I will send you a link to this video on YouTube or the podcast episode if you are an audio type person. So you can listen to me talk through the sheet and teach you through the sheet. And then I would try it. I would try it at home with a colleague or a friend um, and, and kind of get ready, walk through it so you're not kind of stumbling. So it's not the first time that you've read through it or are understanding how it works when you sit down for a negotiation. I'm serious. Try it with um, what movie you're going to watch with your partner or where you and your girlfriends are going to go out to dinner next time you go out. Um, walk through these sections just to practice, just to practice what goes in each section, just to practice how to have these conversations, how to use these it seems like statements, how to decide what calibrated questions to use as a part of that negotiation and kind of where to put that ask and what you can do to identify the co-creation of this plan. So working together to solve the problem so that both parties end up with an outcome that they feel really great about. If you are like, this all sounds great, but I need more, the more that you are looking for exists inside that masterclass that I mentioned when we first got on. So tracybingaman.com slash masterclass four times in the next week and a half to two weeks, I am teaching that masterclass on the four secrets that top PA income earners have. Hold on, my phone is ringing and it's hiding in another room. Well, it's just going to ring. Um, hold on. Okay. Phone calls happen. And sometimes I should actually check if my phone is on silent. Okay. Phone is on silent. All the things. So I would love to teach you more about this in the masterclass. In fact, that phone call is from my kid's school because I'm changing their pickup drop off because I used this one sheet to negotiate to go more part-time to go from 30 plus hours a week to 24 hours a week. So we're able to be home and get our kids on the bus. And today was the first day that we were able to do that. And I had this beautiful window of time where we weren't waking our kids up so we could get them to daycare for 6.30 so I could get to the office by seven, where I could hang out with my school-aged kids and play Uno and have a little bit of time to connect with them that wasn't rushing to or from an activity to or from daycare where we could just connect and I could talk to them. And I used this one sheet 
when I had this conversation with my surgeons about adjusting my schedule. So truly it works. And after I used it, I was like, other people need a resource like this. Cause I think when we go to ask for a raise or a change in our schedule, we don't have structure to that conversation. It can be so easy for it to kind of go off the rails. So two places you should head, both are in the show notes. Um, tracybingaman.com slash one O-N-E. I feel like I've said that 72 times. So if you've missed it, it's in the show notes. And then tracybingaman.com slash masterclass. I would love to see you inside the masterclass. If you go and check times and there's not a time that works great for you, don't worry about it. Sign up for a time. I will send you the replay. Sign up for one of the earlier ones so you can get the replay sooner rather than later. So because the replay is only going to be available for a short amount of time but try to show up live because it makes a huge difference. It's like the difference between going to PA school in person versus like checking someone's notes later. Not the same. Well, my friend, that is it for today. Thank you as always for listening to the PA is in. If this episode helped you at all, if you think this one sheet is going to be valuable to you, think how valuable it would be to your colleagues. The best way to get it to them is to directly send them the link to this episode or to head to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a written review about how this podcast helped, inspired, educated you, whatever it was, because that is so, so crucial to a show this size so that when other PAs are scrolling in iTunes and trying to decide what to listen to, they're going to see your review and they're going to press play on this episode and be blessed by this information as well. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into the show by PAs for PAs, where we help you to design your life so you can live long and prosper. It is your turn to get inspired, take effective action, and become one of those unicorn PAs who loves their job, has abundant energy, time to spare, and work optional financial freedom. Until next time, this PA is out.